0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Africa Africa Africa. at the center of the world, world. latitude zero, longitude zero. Planned by the Creator.
2: Sazanthropus
1: was the first man found on the Earth. That Earth was the motherland.
3: you can use it as a tool for liberation. That's to help liberate your people and to help liberate humanity from all of the various forms of oppression. This week on Africa on the Move, we will present Part 4, Battles to be Fought. Along with this, we will have a special guest, Function Maker, Brother Imhotep. He's organized for the African Black Star we will have them on shortly, but like always, you know how we go with our party. We first will do an introduction with our political panelists, analysts, and then we'll come in with our special guest, Brother Emmetat all the way live from Jamaica. And then we'll close out like always, the second part of the program we discuss Part 4 on Battles to be fought. So that's our order for the event. So right now we can get started with our party by... Briefly introducing to you our political
4: panelists and analysts for today. And we are start right now with Brother Haki. Brother Africa. Africa. Thanks, for ha- oh. thanks, thanks for having me, uh, Brother Africa. My name is Haki Kamathi Mishoki, Colonel with African Awareness. And of course, you know, my thing is all about institution building. Now, institutions are extremely important, particularly when we talk about the consequences of impersonations, particularly the U.S. Breaking the global supply chain. Now, the consequences are many, but I want you to check this article out that, um, that I, I, I read. Now, according to uh, Colonel Lawrence Wilkinson, who was an aide of um, Colin Powell, he once said, quote, most senators and congresspeople are duplicitous or partners in wrongdoing or just plain stupid, end quote. He went on to talk about the state of the world existed in two camps. One, the collective planning addressing real inequality in the world, and two, the scramble for resources or dog-eat-dog world. In which injustice, poverty, mass casualties in the form of concentration camps, mass incarceration, genocide become the norm. Colonel Wilkinson's assertion, "Politicians are criminals," leads some credence that destroying uh, systems of global trade are not just reprehensible but criminal. Now, Trump's plan to prevent the emergence of competitive rivals is a, excuse me, is a strategy fraught with contradictions, not just counterproductive. Attempts at preventing the rise of Russia and or China may have short-term impact, but in the longer term serves to strengthen both countries to better innovate or create more efficient domestic and or regional relationships, which undercuts any attempt at destabilizing both economies over the long term. However, the impact on the U.S. economy is affected negatively in both the short term and the long term. In the short term, since implementing attacks on trade, or what some refer to as protectionism, the U.S. economy has faltered considerably. In less than eight months, real trade, real trade has declined 12.1%. Consequently, in April of 2020, $2 trillion lost in just one month. Superimposed upon these losses, according to the Journal of Economic Perspectives, U.S. Incomes, incomes derived from trade decreased by $1.4 billion monthly. In addition, U.S. consumers paid an additional $3.2 billion per month in taxes. In other words, the cost of food increased in an attempt to generate revenue those by destruction of the supply chain. Now, obviously, higher food prices hurt those on fixed incomes, minimum wage jobs, which is constant from 7% of the workers in the United States, and the unemployed. The negative impact on the U.S. economy goes further. States and cities are also negatively impacted. 63 of the 75 largest U.S. cities average $5 trillion in debt. According to the truth in accounting, 63 of the largest cities in the U.S. have a collective debt of $323 trillion. Here's the question. They're being indebted. Uh, prevent cities from hiring people. What will become of the additional 10 million who have joined the ranks of the unemployed as a result of COVID-19? What problems will unemployment pose for the capitalist class? What do they do with so many losers in their midst? Will the 40 to 60% unemployed be seen as contributing to the instability of capitalism? The obvious answer is yes. The The question is, however, how do capitalists deal with large groups of unemployed unable to contribute to capitalism's elite earnings? In the long term, destroying the supply chain will only serve to highlight the systematic flaws of capitalism in a system that proclaims everyone has a shot at the American dream. How would it account for a system that defines winners and losers? A system that routinely transfers money from the poor sector to the wealthy sector. Now, qualitative easing is a method of wealth transfer. Uh, that is a system in which the Federal Reserve increases the money supply by borrowing from the Treasury for the sole purpose of lending, or in some cases giving money to corporations and or the wealthy people to invest. Utilizing the people's money to create wealth for some, by definition, excludes most from this profitable arrangement. Ironically, those who have access to hundreds of millions of dollars are considered productive, uh, while working people who don't have access to large sums of free money are considered unproductive. The evolution of this car knows no limit. In fact, corporations whose fitness or financial fitness are questionable can participate in the con game. Zombie corporations, despite being indebted while filing for bankruptcy, can also partake in the con game. These entities receive large infusion of cash from Federal Reserve and the Treasury. Use the money to drive up their stock prices, making it possible for the wealthy to re- making it possible to repay the wealthy for the investments that they have made. Now, the question is for the African community, given this this background, given this reality, the question is, what are we going to do? Clearly, there's, there's, the repercussions are, 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 are many. But I think one of the primary repercussions is that when you talk about in terms of economy falling as a result of corruption, and someone has to be blamed, I think for the African community, the question is who's going to be blamed. So we must have institutions to essentially build that question in terms of, you know, uh, culpability. And without those kind of uh, discussions taking place in the African community, it's very difficult in terms of actually forming plans in terms of surviving society. So I encourage people to build institutions in the African community.
3: And
5: next, We'd like to welcome Brother Anthony to Have a corner move Welcome Brother Anthony Thanks for having me Brother Africa Revolutionary greetings to you Our guests And the fellow panelists And the listening audience My name is Anthony Williams I'm an organizer for the All African People's Revolutionary Party GC Objectivist Pan-Africanism the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism.
3: Thank you, Brother Anthony. Following Brother Anthony, we are bringing Brother Moses. Brother Moses, welcome to Africa on the moon.
1: Thank
6: you, thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism, during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao tongue is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. Thank you once again, Brother After for allowing me to be on the show.
3: Okay, and to our listening audience, right now we have a special guest for today. We have Brother Imatek. Tech. Live from Jamaica. We're gonna ask him to come in and introduce himself. He's an organizer for the African Black Star, and we're gonna get some information on what's going on in Jamaica, its relevancy to the Pan African Movement, and how we can work together as one. So, Brother Tech, we are honored to have you on our program, Africa on the Move. Welcome to Africa on the Move.
7: Yeah, revolutionary greetings, sisters and brothers. Um, it is indeed our pleasure. I We thank you for inviting us. You know, we thank you once more again. Well my name is Imotep Ashanti, uh currently a chairperson for the African Black Star in Jamaica. You know, our organization is a Pan-Africanist organization, you know, a liberation movement, which really um, currently we engage, you know, our people, especially the young ones, through education, because you know we we find it crucial in this time to educate our people and who you know and who we really are, because you know, um, in the region that we are in is that you know identity crisis where, you know, if you ask our people who they are, you will get, you know, any different answers to the same question. So, you know, we as the African black know we are here to really, you know, educate and re-educate our people that they can know, you know, that we are an African people, you know, who were taken and forcefully taken away from our homeland which is Mother Africa. So we are um, also a part of the Solidarity Movement in support of both Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua. We are working with the Sisters and Brothers of the you know, Caribbean Peace Committee and the Jamaica-Cuba Friendship um, Association. Okay,
3: Brother. Yes, t- sir. Uh... Yeah, Brother Emota, we often see Jamaica from a cultural perspective. When we talk about Jamaica, we're talking about the so called tourists, the variations of music, which one of the dominant music is et cetera, etc., cetera. Can you tell our people give right. us an update give us an update of what is Jamaica and what's really happening in Jamaica today as it relates to the people?
7: their well-being. Well, um, currently, Jamaica is, you know, um, facing this global pandemic, and, you know, we have recently reopened the country. However, you know, among the Pan-African forces, you know, we are here in organizing, you know, getting ourselves together, and we're also, you know, looking forward to form an alliance with other pan African organizations, you know, with the aim of unifying our people. both at home. Those at home and those abroad, you know.
3: In terms of looking at the current reality of African people when we talk about in terms of various forms of struggles, the where you find African people, you find the most likely struggling against imperialism and capitalism. You look at their political um, institutions; most political institutions they have does not fit the will of the people, the interests of people. Does that apply to the reality of the people in Jamaica today?
8: Well, um,
7: that's very correct and very true currently Jamaica has uh, the so-called two political um, party system of which you know, to us we really see it as really and truly the same, you know, one party system, which all of them really, you know, um, singing and dancing to the tune, you know, which, you know, um, they are really servants of their bosses, which, you know, is Washington. So, you know, Jamaica is a under neo-colonial system, so whatever decision that is made by the the parties which are administer um, the administration of Jamaica, that doesn't really represent or reflect the hope, the vision, and aspiration of the of the, of, of the African masses on the ground, are uh, the downtrodden people you know, of African origin in Jamaica. So for instance, um, the decision which Jamaica has and the position taken by Jamaica in in betraying Venezuela, that does not reflect our hopes and aspirations. That is just a decision taken by the administration, but not by the people. So we the people, especially us from the Pan-African background, we distance ourselves from that position and we are in full support of Cuba, Venezuela and Nicaragua we support all the downtrodden masses of the people who, you know, are struggling against capitalism and imperialism and all the oppressive forces.
3: Okay, just give us some historical reference to the development and the creation of the of the African Black Star, your organization. Tell us a little bit, some more about your organization that the world needs to know. And for those who are interested in working with your organization, how can they do that?
7: Right. Well, our organization is a a newly formed organization. We are um, less than a year in Jamaica, however. We have been working as Pan-Africanists, you know, under different formations, but the African Black Star is less than six months young in Jamaica, you know. However, you know, most of us have been known for doing the work on the ground with the people, you know, both here in the Western region and on the African continent. And, you know, we are currently working also together with the all African people's uh, revolutionary party G.C., and you know I work you know also you know with sisters and brothers in Venezuela and Cuba, so you know we are here,
3: okay, what I gonna do right now? I have my political panelists and take on. A- Maybe make some comments or ask some questions from you. And um, we can go to our first panelist. We can go with Brother Anthony. The mic is yours. And before you speak, Brother Anthony, to all our listening audience who would like to raise or participate in this discussion with our, with our brother, please call in 323-679-0841. Hit one, and we'll nod you last phone number. Call in 323 679 O 4 one hit one, and you can get your question comments in and we discuss this whole issue of working with and united with our brothers and sisters in Jamaica. Um, so right now, Brother Anthony, the mic is yours.
5: Certainly. Uh, Brother Inhotep, um I want to ask you a question about uh, the the origin of the name of your organization does it take its name from the black star line that the UNIACL had uh created uh during uh the 1920s and um, uh what uh and what is the significance of the choice of that name
7: very good question well um Basically what we would say is that um, yes our organization name as African Black Star is, you know, strongly inspired by the right honorable Marcus Muzayagavi. You know, and you know, and to us now, you know, we do see all African people as black stars, you know, both, you know, male and female. So, you know, yes, you are correct, you know, we took our name, you know from the inspiration, you know, and from Marcus Gavi. So we still do stand on the principles led by the right honorable Marcus Garvey in terms of self reliance, you know, and doing for self as as a people and, you know, in seeking unity among us as a people. So we are strongly guided by those principles of the right honorable Marcus
5: Gavi. and uh i have another question uh d- regarding the current uh political uh situation in jamaica uh now uh, i know from uh rec- i recall from research historically jamaica y- uh, you know ha- has in the past had close relations with cuba uh at least up into the time that uh uh that uh, Edward Siega uh to uh took over the presidency of Jamaica. Uh what is uh what is the status uh presently? Is Jamaica pretty much um, uh you know uh, uh trying to assert its uh independence or is it under neo colonial domination uh by its former colonizer uh, britain well
7: um Jamaica, it is a neo colonial yep. state cuz you know Although um lot of people, uh, you know, we're swallow this illusion of independence, which is a sham independence, which, you know, most of our people still celebrating it. I think right now they would say um, we're celebrating 58 years of the so-called um, independence, but, um, you know, knowing the reality, us who have, Work within the system and serve within the system. And know for a fact that Jamaica is not an independent country because um, Britain is still represented in Jamaica by the GG, which is the Governor General. So every member of Parliament must be sworn by an oath before the Governor General, and the oath, which you know, the check is not an oath to serve the people. But it is an oath to serve between Afghan and her descendants. So, you know, that's clearly showing you that Jamaica is um a near colonial state. And there has been a debate recently, you know, right throughout this wave the the ongoing storm, blowing storm which involves the Black Lives Matter movement in in, in the U.S., where the people start to um, ask questions, you know, because right now they were looking also at the insignias, which are worn by the governor general, and I think um there's an insignia which um an order which is you know is always, always displaying, which I say it is an order then Michael and the other of St. George. I think it has a, a depiction of Michael as a Caucasian and you know standing up and a you know African looking image. So the people were questioning these things and um, and I understand that he came out recently and he apologized about that and he stated that he did not really know. However to us whether the governor general to wear the insignia or not. The fact of the matter is that he represents white domination. He is a representative of the colonial powers. So even if he was to be removed, if Jamaica still continue to function under the current system we will still remain a near-colonial state.
5: Thanks okay. very much.
3: Let's go to, to Brother Hakeem. Brother Hakeem, the Hakee make is yours.
4: Yeah, let me, let me ask the brother. You know, uh, Jamaica has a strong cultural legacy you know, throughout the world, and it certainly has some of the best musicians in the world. My uh, question is to you um what is it possibility attracting musicians there in Jamaica uh to your to your cause
7: I repeat the question again what possibly attract you um, know
4: repeat the question please musicians music, musicians uh to your movement Well um,
7: what we would say is that um uh, most other musicians in Jamaica- especially those who uh, are you know uh persuasion uh, orientation um, you know they' working with us you know in one form or another, especially when it comes to um you know um in fundraising and things like those however when it comes to um when you talk about um being a part of an organization, a lot of people do not have that kind of commitment and discipline of being a part or wanting to be a part of an organization. So, a lot of folks say it's good, but you know, they don't want to be a part of an organization. So, those are the challenges which we're still facing, but we are working, especially with the young people, whereby we can instill discipline in them to show them the importance of organization. As the great Kwame Torre always remind us to organize,
4: and to organize, you know. One, one final question, uh, a totally unrelated question. Uh, but does the geography of uh, Jamaica pose any particular problems in terms of organizing? Because I noticed some parts are hilly, some parts are flat. Uh, some parts of coastal is that a problem in terms of organizing people?
8: Mm,
7: um, I don't really think that would—that's what it, that's what really pose um, you know create the problem in terms of organizing people. Um, what's really going on is a distraction because you know in Jamaica um, you know like how. The U.S. really um, would say Jamaica is their backyard, so a lot of people do see Jamaica as the U.S. Back, um, backyard. So really and truly, a lot of people, they're just striving to, you know, to one day set their foot within the U.S. So whatsoever is going on within the U.S., especially nothing, we're not talking about anything which may have anything to do to the liberation of the African people. But, you know, the things that, you know, to distract them from knowing who they are and from coming apart, you know, after liberation struggle, you know. And another thing is just is the fear again. Because, you know, when you become a part of a Pan African organization, you know, that's a revolutionary organization. So, you know, a lot of folks are scared of that. You know, yeah. Remember what happened to Marcus Yavi, Paul bogle you know Malcolm. So you know, people just they are looking for a shortcut, but there are no shortcuts in the struggle. You know, we just got to march forward, right through. You know.
4: All right, thanks.
3: well, brother, brother Moses, the mic is yours.
6: Thank you, thank you, thank you.
3: Uh, brother. it's good to have you on
6: uh, from Jamaica. Um, certainly it's a country that's dear to my heart, and uh, uh, certainly the culture and the music
9: and the legacy
6: of Bob Marley will live on forever. Um, I'm not sure what questions I have. I, I'm, I'm uh, trying to understand how, what ways, um, you need cooperation and what ways uh, you can spread your message. Uh, I'm just interested in hearing anything you can say that that uh, will
7: encourage people. Thank you. Yes, you're very welcome, my dear brother. I didn't quite hear everything what you said, though.
3: One of the things he raised, uh, my brother, is that he is trying to figure out what ways can people assist your movement and organization? What can some of the things people can do? That's what you're trying to be thinking about. If you may have any kind of ideas on how we could become better uh, collaborators and work closely together in doing some of the things. How you know, how how what would you suggest?
7: Right, right. Yeah, well, like we said um, earlier that um, we currently work, you know, the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, um, GC. So um, as we continue to build our relationship, you know, yes, on principle, so um, really um, anyone who needs, you know, to contact us, they may you know, link us to the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, G.C., and, you know, as we uh, have an ongoing dialogue with with the party, so, you know, and, you know, so, you know, we are in that process. As we but currently, we are still, you know, working and strengthening ourselves and building, you know, internally. Our organization so um, but you know the time develop and go on then you know we will reach out because and brothers and you know we will definitely know and we're looking forward to work with others you know who are up and the we have met thank you
6: thank
3: you thanks you. Okay. okay we have some people on the line been waiting for a while who may have some comments or questions for you. We're gonna open up our phone lines now. We're gonna take the first call by calling out the last a numbers. Call of nine four three five. Call of nine four three five. Welcome to Africa on the move. Your question or comment please.
8: Uh thank you, my brother, and thank your guests, brother Amtip. And it's great to hear him here on the radio explaining the situation currently in the island state of Jamaica. I would like to ask him how does he see one the relationship of the African diaspora, especially the Caribbean, South and Central America, to the struggle for Pan Africanism on the African continent. Right. Well, um,
7: first of all, we would say, um, you know, in answering a question, you know, once we know ourselves, that we know that we are one people.
4: So,
7: you know, what whatsoever struggle is going on on the mother continent, Africa, is affecting all of us as African people. So, you know, the, an attack against Africa. It's an attack against all African people. So it's just up to us right now to get our act together, to pull up our socks, and to unify ourselves, you know, and, you know, and do things as a unit, you know, because that's the only way. That's, the, you know, the greatest weapon that we have right now at our disposal, our unity. So we must, you know, get together. You know, and and yes, of course we may have you know petty differences and so on. But you know, whenever um you know once we all come to a point of agreement of who the enemy is, then once we all agree, then we must join the forces together in response and in defending our people, you know, from any attack from the enemy and in also protecting ourselves as a people. So we are one people, you know. And, you know, it's the same struggle we are all facing. You have a question thank coming, you. Carlo? Okay, let's you go know,
3: to our next one, call. Thank you, brother. Yes, go ahead, Carl. Now, 435, finish your
8: statement. I just wanted to thank the brother and to tell him to stay strong. It's a long struggle, but we will win.
7: Yes, you give thanks. You do give thanks, my dear brother. We are are winning, you know. And that's why the enemy is, you know, repositioning itself and changing its strategies because, yes, we are winning.
3: Okay, next we'll go to our next caller. that have been waiting patiently. That caller, last one, numbers are 5146, caller 5146. Any questions or comments? Who are our guest today from Jamaica? Brother immigrant. Caller 5146. The mic is yours.
2: Yes, I, I do appreciate your strength and doing and moving forward. Sometimes it takes a long time to address your concerns, but I think that with your devotion and your commitment, uh, as has been said, you should not feel defeated. You have to stay the course. Please stay strong and know that the panel, we all care. and We're paying attention. Thank you for your cause. We really appreciate you very much.
7: Yeah, we do give time, okay. you know. the time to.
3: Okay, let's go to our next caller. We've been waiting patiently. We have caller six three zero eight. Caller six three zero eight. Any comment or question? Who well, I guess? Caller six three zero eight. The mic is yours. Caller six three zero eight. Any question or comments? Okay, I guess that caller don't have no comments or questions. So we'll we'll continue to move forward. Brother uh, when we look at the social and political conditions in Jamaica today, can you give our people a sense of what are the primary movements that are going on in Jamaica that that we need to be aware of to better understand the present social, economic, political makeup of Jamaica today? What would you say be some of the major movements that may be taking place now in Jamaica as it relates to the people? Well,
7: um, in Jamaica right now, we can't tell you that, um, you know, the African people um, are being weakened, you know, and divided by the enemy. via are the so-called two political parties, you know, where whereby, you know, these parties are just dividing the people, you know, into
9: small
7: tribes where, you know, they are just forcing and fighting against each other. However, one thing we can say over the number of years seen that the people, through the constant re-education you know, of the people and we engage in them, there is no more conflict based on politics right now because recent, uh, I can recall during the re- recent elections, you have seen the very first time whereby you could see people from different political parties. You know, you could identify them by the different colors. They were all dancing and jumping together, you know. So, so you know, however, and um, these guys, what they're really doing is to, you know, they will just really use the, the crumbs, to control the people because, you know, the pressure is on and everybody would want, you know food to, you know, to, um on their table. So these guys now they really control controlling the limited resources. So that's what they they use to control and to divide our people. You know, and the US, yes of course they have a you know, a big influence in Jamaica and also in dividing the people and a... I do know for a fact that um, a strong Jamaica is not what they 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 are looking to see. You know that's not what they want to see. So the whole thing all right now. I think you know it is really favorable to the U.S. to see our people weak so that they can continue to control us. But you know, I like would say we are winning all we can do, you know, continue to re-educate our people and, you know, instill discipline and, you know, show them of the importance of organization especially organizations which are fighting for the liberation of the African people
3: probably Uh, In terms of your organizational position, the African Black Star, we know there's a movement for integration among the progressive progressive and revolutionary forces in Central and South America and the Caribbean, like IE Albu, the Albu Movement. And there are some things that these countries are trying to do to better help move the people forward, like in terms of trying to establish a zone of peace which I realize many Caribbean countries is a part of that initiative. What would you have to say about, you know, this whole concept of trying to create a zone of peace and the whole concept of uh, the Album Movement? Where are you at as it relates to those two uh, various um, phenomena?
7: Well, um, you know, um, first of all, in terms of the Caribbean being the region of the zone of peace, you know, I think. What would say? Um, I don't think any African within the region who is in their right state of mind would be against peace. You know, we all support. You know, the peace initiatives. However, the question that we are asking, you know, um, when you say peace, peace according to who, and who is peace? You know, if we, if we, when we say peace, you know, we mean that things should remain the way they are. And when you say peace, you mean that, um, you know, we should, you know, remain under the direct or indirect control of the colonial forces. Then if, you know, it will still remain under the direct and the indirect control of Britain, France, you know, Dutch and those guys and their colonial puppets and agents, then that's not the kind of peace which you're looking for. You know, to us, really, peace means, you know, uh, our people having access to land, food, medicine, water, you know, education, and a creation of an egalitarian society. And in terms of the, you know, and the right, you know, the life, and in terms of the ALBA, that initiative, you know, um, championed by Venezuela, under the leadership of the great Colonel Hugo Chavez and the Commandant Fidel Castro, you know, it, You know we are in full support of that initiative because, you know, the main aim is to protect the region from the U.S. hegemony. And, you know, we continue our still in full support of, you know, of that initiative. Like we have already stated to you that... Um, Decision taken by Jamaica and the Jamaican administration that does not reflect You know our vision, our hope and aspiration. Their decision does not represent us So we are in full support of the ALBA movement And We are part of that. Like we say, we are Networking with the sisters and brothers In, in, in South America in Cuba, Nicaragua, and Venezuela.
3: Well, brother, what would be your assessment of, of, of the need of or the understanding of the necessity to also struggle for a socialist economy or to struggle for the concept of socialism? As it relates to the well-being of African people and people in general, what would you say to the need for a call for fight for socialism as it relates to the people understanding Jamaica around this question of the need for socialism as well as understanding the impact of what a capitalist, what an imperialist economic system has brought y'all. What is the people understanding around that particular battle issue from your perspective?
7: Well, I think um, we as Pan-Africanists, we have to continue. We have to educate ourselves and our people, you know, and the meaning of socialism. Because I don't think um, you um, it's possible for any Pan-Africanist for you to be a pan- Pan-Africanist and, and, you know, and, and be a capitalist, you know. So we have to educate the people, but because of... The media, which bombard the people with misinformation, whereby lots of people, especially, you know, the downtrodden people, they do not know the meaning of socialism. In Jamaica, when we speak of socialism, some people tend to want to associate us with the People's Nationalist, with the People's National Party. Because, you know, I guess back in the time of Manly, you know, that was the theme. You know, Manly was talking about democratic socialism. However, his party today is not a socialist party. However, they still that rhetoric among them to control some of the downtrodden people, you know, who can still remember Michael Manly, Manly's glory. But, you know, the party is not a socialist party. And to us, you know, there's no difference between JLP and PNP. They are servants of the same master. So we got to educate our people, you know, about the meaning of socialism, you know, as the only viable system, you know, that can create an egalitarian society, you know. Where people can have access to food, you know, clean water, you know, you know, so you know, it's basically, you know, is a is a people, you know, um, centered system.
3: And before we take our uh station break, my brother, can you talk a little bit about? <coughs> excuse me. About who are maybe some of the uh, multinational companies that are operating and functioning out of Jamaica?
7: What are the um, what companies?
3: Yes, who are some of the big companies that are operating and functioning out of Jamaica and exploiting people resources that you may know of? You know, these multi companies go all over the world, set up in oh, out. Okay, country. right, right. Produce stuff to exploit the people. What are some of these enemies of the people inside Jamaica when we're talking about the multinational corporations and
7: governments? (laughs) Well, in Jamaica, first of all, we can't talk about these um, private telephone um, service companies, you know, one of them being um, Digicel, and I know that's not, you know, uh, from Jamaica you know, and I know that's not, you know, controlled by the African people. However, the faces, you know, that everybody is seeing is the faces of our people, but, you know, it's not, you know, controlled by us. And then you have also the Jamaican um, electricity company, APS, you know, that is another private company owned by the U.S., you know. And, you know, most, you know, I, I, right now, I cannot really think of anything that Jamaica wants right now. Everything was out by the board,
3: okay.
7: you know, four gangs, you know, they all have agreed, you know. A lot of people left, right, and center.
3: Okay, my brother, what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a station break, and when we come back, we want you to just give the listening audience uh, some final thoughts about your organization, your party, and how they can help you again. Okay, so when we come back, we're going to make you um, give you an opportunity to give us some closing thoughts on the nature of the work that you're doing. So we're going to pause for this call, so right. and we'll be right back. You're to listen to Africa on the Move.
1: Marcus can't work, can't work. Marcus can't work, can't work. Can't get no food to eat. Can't get no money to spend. Oh, can't get no food to eat. Can't get no money to spend. Oh. Uh-huh.
10: I must be strong to last through my journey, yeah. last through my journey, yeah. Time will arrive when we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. We must prepare and learn how to care for sooner That our lives won't be in danger And when the light is clear Oh, how beautiful I will be To know that I've been here And made it through my journey, yeah And made it through my journey, yeah But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death has spent many lonely nights, pacing the floors of his funeral hollow, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word, called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods were haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance to inspire a fire like the sun pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain
3: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Move. And at this particular time, we've been talking with our brother, Emerita- Ashante, who's an organizer for the African Black Star. Right now, we're going to bring him back in and ask him to give us his final remarks on to nature's work and how we can help enjoy brother, and join in. Brother Imhotek, you may have the mic.
7: Yes, my dear brother, my dear brothers and sisters. Well, right now we have a program where we are currently clearing up a piece of land somewhere in the center area of which, you know, our vision is to deal uh Freedom School, you know, a school whereby we can re-Africanize, you know, our people and ourselves, you know, and also teaching our people, you know, our history, our true history, you know, our language, which was, you know, beaten out of us, you know, and and we're also planning and doing a student exchange program between Jamaica and the mother continent but um that is more of a long term plan. So what you all can do for us, you know, organize yourselves and be a part of a liberation movement, you know, and we can we will link, you know, as organizations in the right and due time, you know. So what we ask of you be a part of an organization African Organization, that is fighting for our people, and we will meet, you know, and and those of you who may want to contact us, um, the All African People's Revolutionary Party (G.C.), they have all our contact information. So, via that, you know, formation, you may get, you may get the necessary um, contact information. We thank you.
3: And my brothers, I'd like to thank you and we'll let you know that anytime you need to have an outlet to share with our people on what's going on with your people, your move Jamaica, we are here for you. So we'd like to thank you for today's contribution.
7: Yeah, we do give thanks. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you once more again, sister
3: Hi, right, listen, audience, you listen listening to Africa on the Move. I'm the host, Brother Africa. This program is a weekly program that can be heard on Sundays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, U.S. If you have any views, comments, we encourage you to contact us at AfricaOnTheMove2 at gmail.com. The program is a byproduct of the African Awareness Association. So we say let's get busy Join an organization that's working toward alleviating The suffering of our people and humanity And if we don't join one We tell you, you better create one If you truly love the people And want to be free So what we're going to do when we come back We're going to our next segment of What's going on in your world and the community That's right We want to know what's going on In your world and the community we're pause real quickly for a relationship break, and we come back. Call in at 323-679-0841. We want to know what's going on in your world and the community. We'll be right back.
4: Brother Africa, uh, when we, you know, one of the things, you know, we got to be very, very clear on is that there's a tremendous amount of stealing going on with respect to this economy. And one of the things, one of the gangs perpetuated by the ruling elite is this notion that, in fact, less taxes is good for the economy. But the reality is nothing can be further from the, for the, from the truth. But nonetheless, they persist in this lie simply because it ingratiates the benefits to few at the expense of the many. Now, I want you to check this out. Now, in 1971, President Nixon ended the gold standard. The value of money would no longer be tied to gold. Instead, the value of money, U.S. dollars, would be determined by the might of the U.S. military power and its ability to ensure the dollar remains the world's reserve currency. In other words, all oil transactions will be in dollars, and because all countries depend on oil, this ensured the dollar's value, uh, while solidifying U.S. global domination. Nixon unwisely believed decoupling from the gold standard would enhance the wealthiest access to money, while increasing investment opportunities, lending to more growth for the U.S. economy. Nixon was partly right. The fiat currencies that ensued, fiat currency, of course, being currency created from nothing, certainly extended access uh, to to money for the wealthy, but in the process created the avenue by which foreign investments in the U.S. could be exploited to the detriment of the U.S. economy and job creations in the U.S. The assumption increasing money supply would stimulate economic growth, therefore job creation gave rise to right-wing ideologues, who formulated policies in conjunction with more money in circulation and tax cuts, would not only stimulate the economy, but would eliminate, if not reduce, unemployment considerably. Chief of Monday's ideologues was President Ronald Reagan and U.K. Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. Both advoc- advocated uh, dereguliz- uh, excuse me uh, in other words, no rules for businesses, and tax cuts for the wealthy. Ironically, when the tax cuts for the wealthy were implemented, the results were disastrous. In the U.S., incomes for the top 10% of wage earners increased by 110%. Incomes for workers increased only just 25%. Now, the situation in the U.K. was comparable with the national health services negatively impacted as revenues decreased. Historically, the notion tax cuts equal lower unemployment has seldom materialized. In fact, it's not true at all. In fact, increasing taxes does more to actually uh, reduce unemployment and inequality. During the golden age under President Eisenhower, between the years 1953 and 1961, per capita incomes grew by 2.2% across the board. Consequently, huge numbers of citizens, specifically white citizens, moved into the middle class status. Keep in mind, the tax rate at this time was 91%. This was created not by reducing taxes, but actually increasing taxes. This feat was replicated by Bill Clinton during his presidency between the years of 1993 to 2001. Couldn't raise taxes on the wealthy, and in the process, obtain economic growth while averaging 250,000 jobs monthly, while balancing the budget at the same time. Now, the point here is not to advocate presidents through economic policy can unilaterally in- eliminate or reduce unemployment. The point I'm making is starving the economy by, by revenue, or revenue by tax cuts will not only prevent in a stimulation of the economy, but would actually contribute to inequality in society. Now, Scandinavian nations pay the highest taxes in the world. And the level of inequality in balancing budgets does not appeal to be a problem. So what is it about America that seems to evade this point? It's imperative that working people in the U.S. are working to the reality that we are constantly being manipulated by those positions of power and understanding that tax cuts does nothing for the overall economy other than to ingratiate to empower the few at the expense of the many. So we got to understand the game is being perpetuated against us when people talk about lower taxes for the wealthy.
3: Okay. Thank you, Brother Hackie. Brother
5: Anthony, what's going on in your world in the community? Uh yes. Uh let's see. Uh uh locally, uh let's see. Um uh the uh the the the, the there's been a rise in uh in in the COVID uh, nineteen pandemic in several states inside the US, particularly those states That reopened their economies early Uh, Like uh, Georgia, South Carolina, Texas And uh, uh, several other states And it's getting worse And instead of um, getting better Also, uh, uh, police uh, harassment or killing of Africans uh, is continuing, uh, you know, unabated in spite of the publicity garnered by the people's response to George Floyd's uh, murder, uh, the demonstrations and uprisings. Uh, but uh, let's see. But police uh, harassment of uh, Africans, Latinx, and Indigenous people continues.
3: Brother Moses, what's going on in your world in the community?
6: Well, let's see here. We noticed that this this week um, the Commander-in-Chief um, actually humbled himself long enough to put on a mask at Walter Reed Army Hospital Medical Center um, uh, in D.C., um, So that was a that was a big significance. I mean, his arrogance and his obstinacy and his denial of science. um, um, Somehow, he found enough sanity to put on a match. Um, So that's amazing. That's a a minor miracle right there. Uh, I um, I think you know this has been an interesting week. Uh, uh, There's a lot of people struggling.
9: to make rent,
6: to make mortgages, uh, to get out of debt, uh, It's, a, it's a, You know, a situation where profits, you know, profits, uh, are, the profit-driven society, is, and the contradictions of the profit-driven society are coming to a head. And you know, the question of whether people got before profit you know, in the minds of the of the uh, profiteers. I don't know if they have any conscience or what. But um, just as the power of the people got got Trump to submit to a man, I think the power of the people can can uh straighten out some of this debt, uh, and this rent and mortgage problem. Um uh, anyway I'm hopeful. I'll leave it right there. Thank you.
3: Okay, we're gonna go to our next calls they'll be waiting on the line, bring our callers back who participate in the day, call them nine four three five. 9435, what's going on in your world community that you'd like to share with our people today? Thank
8: you. Now, well, I think that I don't know if people are aware that the Supreme Court this week gave two major victories to our brothers and sisters, the Native Americans, or the Native Americans made the Supreme Court give them two major victories. One is that the pipeline that they have been trying to impose in the lands that belong to the Native Americans across the northern part of this country has been halted by the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court says they have to be drained immediately. A major victory. Secondly, in the state of Oklahoma, the rights to try Native Americans in their own courts on their own land produce a victory that was totally unexpected. The Supreme Court said that treaties that existed that were never ended still exist, and as such, Native Americans in Oklahoma currently now Owns over two thirds of the state because that was in the treaty, and I'm waiting for them to start evicting those people that they should evict that's what's happening here so far the struggle continues
3: and he was acting recently Supreme Court decisions, my brother,
8: and wow this week. This week, Thursday, and this week, Friday
3: I have not seen anything on these so-called networks on that one That's major, major implications Wow, let's go to our caller right here, 5146 Give our caller opportunity to share something with us On what's going on in her world and the community Call 5146, the mic is yours
2: well, locally here in my area, we had a, a walkout on the job at JBS Beef Meat Packing Company. It was unexpected on Thursday. Hundreds walked off the job simultaneously. It was hot and they were protesting the work condition. Many of them are people of color And they have already lost at least six lives to the COVID in that particular plant. And when they walked off the job at the JBS meatpacking company, they took to the streets. And on Friday, the company wasn't sure about what to do. So they decided to say that they're not going to be allowed to come back to work. So they furloughed all of them. Then Saturday, they continued to protest, saying that they wanted to have a meeting, and that they were willing to correct some of the poor working conditions, and that they were willing to increase their wages. Now on Sunday, they are supposed to be in negotiation mode. So, we won't know the result of that until Monday morning, tomorrow morning. So, from Thursday to Sunday, it's been an ongoing situation with this particular meat packing company, JBS. On a national level, the thing that concerns me is the HR. Rule 7301 that was passed by the House on June 29, 2020. Going back to the panelists, refers to the rent and mortgage. Many families have not been able to make their rent and mortgage payments for July. So it's very concerning now as to how they are going to move forward. And how the court will address these issues? Will they be treated the same, or will people of color more likely be evicted as opposed to people who are not of color? How will the law apply these notices? Because according to HR 7301, that was passed by the House on June 29th of 2020, the extension they were asking for the extension of the moratorium to March 27 of 2021. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens because a lot of people are going to be in the street. And my observation is going to be disproportionately applied to people of color. So again, the COVID... 19 pandemic, has affected all of us, but some have been affected more harshly than others. Not to mention the fact that we're all up in arms about what's going to happen with the schools in a few weeks. Plans on the table. Teachers are afraid to go back. Children don't know what to do. If it going to be three days in school, two online, Two on school, three online. They don't have a plan in place. Nevertheless, many politicians are saying, regardless, they want the children back in school. Now, is this about money, or is this about education? What is it really about? Thank you.
3: Those are the interesting questions. We want to at least discuss a few of them before we make our transition to our theme tonight. Uh, panelists, I would like to raise this for everyone and get your response. A general response, we can see that African people, and I hate to use the term people of color, but African people, indigenous people, they are being attacked in many ways in terms of um, losing their lives unnecessarily. Recently, there have been some cases, and one particular case, of a sister, um uh, Asia Washington she was a 26 year old young lady working in, uh, in New York City and she went to give birth and for some strange reasons very happy she ended up losing her life just by having a normal pregnancy and this is seen to be going on a lot within the African community with African women just having basic birth it becomes very difficult what do y'all think uh, of that, about Now,
5: I think what uh, what's happening is um, is a combination of um, uh, you know uh, inadequate prenatal care and also um, you know and also lack of um, you know uh, sufficient. Information, you know, uh, to, to advise, uh, you know, uh, w- uh, women of, uh, you know, their, uh, their options and, uh, and procedures for ensuring adequate health care and also the quality of service and, uh, you know, that are, that, that are given in some of the hospitals that uh, that our community is dependent upon. And uh, so I, I, you know, I think it's a complex set of factors that are exacerbated by this uh, COVID nineteen pandemic. Because uh, um, you know, uh, you know, you you hear on the news how uh, how the medical staff is being overworked and not having. Adequate, you know, uh, protection when, when, you know, when they care for their patients. And so I think, I think this is be, being exacerbated by this pandemic. But in addition, I think in general, historically, Africans have suffered from uh, inadequate health care facilities for decades.
4: Yeah, well, the, the, the irony is that even if the African woman is uh, in perfect health uh have financial means, uh, where all, indica- all, indica- all indications are that, you know, she's in she's top-notch condition and shouldn't have a problem in terms of pregnancy, even in such a situation, there's still seen as propensity in terms of African women dying from giving birth. And there are many who theorize that the problem is one that comes down to budgets. In other words, uh, when you when women have children, uh, there's a finite amount of money or, or tests that should be utilized in terms of bringing about that birth. Uh, and so in that case, in a situation where you have, may have, say, some, some, some emergency or some situation which required going outside of the budget restraints, uh, it, uh, it means that uh, the, uh, the, the medical staff to some level is hamstring in terms of the ability to go outside those financial strains and actually provide the kind of care that, that African women need in terms of bringing up their birth. So that is something that the medical profession themselves have been articulating for for, for many, many years. So the mere fact that uh, this has been going on for for quite a while and we've been, this has been happening for the last certainly for the last ten years. Uh, the mere fact that it's been going on for so long speaks violence in terms of the um the um just how just how um how powerful uh the bottom line is in terms of uh one in terms of African women's medical care. So I think until we, we overcome this notion that somehow that uh you know it's all about profitability, until we overcome that, that mindset, and I think the temptation is to take shortcuts whenever it's profitable And as a consequence, African women would die. So I think that's what's contributing to the problem.
3: Anyone else
2: would like to speak? Yes, in addition to what's been shared. Go ahead, go ahead, McCullough. I do agree that women who are giving birth are in a vulnerable position. And African women in particular want to be very careful to have someone with her who cares about her, cares about her body, cares about her delivery, and cares about her ongoing prenatal care as well. You don't want to wait until the baby is about to be delivered to say that you, want, you discovered something. If that happens, you need to have an experienced person available. And today, there's no excuse. If we can go to the moon, we should be able to deliver a baby. And to have someone who really cares and someone who is knowledgeable and well-trained in OBGYN, that is the person that you want to have delivered your baby, and be with you at that moment. That's a precious moment. There's nothing to compare to delivering a child. And I think that if you don't have a person who's well-trained or have a heart that they care and that you can trust, anything can go wrong.
3: Anyone else? Because we would like to alert our listening audience if they ever get a chance to look up this article, Death of She Washington, pregnant 26 year old black women highlights highlight devastating trends. And this one, from the Rotten Stone, written by E.J. Dickinson on July 9, 2020. It's raising a very fundamental issue in terms of how these um, so-called mishaps are intentional. Because for some reason, it only happens to African women. It's not that they are in any kind of position, high-risk physicians. Um, one of the things the article states, and I know it's true by going to a doctor, that many or mostly doctors do not want to listen to their patients when their patients tell them something. And when you read this article, there are several other articles that have been coming out recently behind just having a normal, basic birth. We are losing African women for no reasons. And these people at these hospitals are not being accountable. to making decisions and doing things that are medically, medically speaking, was unwise to do a given situation. But yet no one is been held accountable. But anyway, that's something that we need to... Um, to be um, take a closer look at and keep our eyes on in terms of another form illuminating African people. Um, right now, my other question to the panelists is: recently, there was a response around the 4th of July issue of uh, there was some kind of national alert going out that certain hate groups, two Klux Klan groups, was going to was were going to commit certain. Um, killings against African people and the African community in well, well, where there was one organized African group, remind me of Defense of, of Defense back in the day. They took a, they responded to that threat by going down to Georgia and confronting some of these organizations, and it was a really interesting response to not only to um, from the community. But also from official uh, police departments down there. But one of the things they alluded to is they have been preparing themselves, organizing themselves to start defending our community. I think the name of the group is, you know, we're not taking no more of this, you know what. Uh, for those who are familiar with the incident, I would just like to hear your response to this type of organizing, organizing and reaction. To what they just recently did, in terms of not only to get the communities back up, or, but as well as the official police department in the area. I know, brother Aki, you had the chance to take a look at that. What would you make of of that group and their and response to their action this past week? You know, brother Africa,
4: the the, the bottom line is that the situation for you know um, for African people in the society is perilous. And one of the things is that uh, we don't have the luxury in terms of limiting strategy in terms of how we're going to survive in a society. We have to have multiple strategies in terms of survival in a society. And one of these strategies is often downplayed. is the notion, it's the notion that uh, it, whatever we do has to be, quote, unquote, nonviolent. But nonviolent, of course, has its place. And, of course, strategically, it's, it's not a bad idea in terms of negotiating and trying to talk to people in terms of remedying, you know, any type of uh, any type of uh, 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 misperceptions that may exist between people. But the bottom line is that, unfortunately, when when you talk about social con- social conditioning of human beings, one of the things, if you got a person who's been socially conditioned uh, for, you know, for for decades, uh, you have a person who's been socially conditioned through the family uh, or through society per se. Then, reality is that when we talk about the impact it has on that person's uh, uh, level of understanding the world, it's profound. And so, given that reality, then we've got to understand that the, the reality is we simply can't always talk to every, every adversary, every enemy that the African community is confronted with. Some of these people out here are hell bent, uh, intent on the destruction, physical destruction of African people. And one of the things, in terms of history, one thing is very, very clear you know, uh, either, you, either you respond to the threat or you pay the price for not responding to the threat. So we really don't have any recourse. So the Belgians did what they had to do in terms of countering a potential threat to the African community. And because they did that, uh, now uh, these Nazi forces, these KKK types throughout the country are on notice, you know, that you can't just come to African community and just wholesale slaughter African people and don't think there's going to be some type of response. So I think that uh, the strategy that they use is, 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 is a vital one, and, it's, and there's no way, you know, uh, anyone who who thinks about the situation can dismiss, you know, the relevance in terms of the, the, the move by those brothers with the impact of uh, coalition, in terms of actually going down to Georgia and actually, you know, co- you know, attempting to confront those racist forces that exist in Stone Mountain, Georgia. So, so clearly, you know, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, um, my hat's off to those brothers and sisters, you know, who actually participated in that formation, Of oh, course we've got to have it. You know, we we got politicians, uh, certainly, and, and certainly we engage in a tremendous amount of discourse in trying to get people to understand right from wrong. We engage in discourse around the question in terms of the injustice that fundamentally pervades society. Even though we've been talking for centuries on terms of the injustice of the that pervades the society, particularly as a negative impact on not just working people but African people in particular, even when we articulate that, it falls on deaf ears. And so, the reality is that you got a lot of people out here who helping on destruction of African people. And so, therefore, one of the things I don't think is wise to do is simply to acquiesce to create a situation or scenario or narrative, possibly or you invite uh, uh, them to slaughter you. So it doesn't make sense to me to simply stand by and allow yourself to be a victim. So I, my hats off to the brothers and sisters in terms of that formation. In fact, we need more like that, and uh, you know, because it is key in terms, of, in terms of our survival. It's a big part of the picture. It's not the only part of the picture, but it's a big part of the picture, and we have to take it very, very seriously.
3: Anyone else like to respond to that phenomenon?
5: Uh, yes, I concur with uh, uh points. That it's a part of that strategy. And, and it is part of, uh, you know, what we have to do. And uh, but I hope uh, you, you know, but it can't be limited to that. Uh, you know, the highest level of organization is political uh, organization. And um, you know, and the thing, and the thing about it, though, regardless of how we fight for our freedom, we have to, you know, uh, you know, organize and think in a revolutionary fashion, and we have to be, and we have to, and it's important that people are guided by a revolutionary ideology. And uh, so how we think is important uh, uh, as well as uh, the actions we take and uh, and um, you know, and the thing about that with all, all that's going on in the world, we are in survival mode right now. And uh, so we have to take uh, attacks against us very seriously. And uh, we have to use all options at our at our disposal to defend ourselves.
3: Okay, panel participants, let's go to uh make our transition to the full part of battles to be fought. Battles to be fought. Now, there was a very really interesting article that is titled "South Africa Start Testing." a COVID-19 vaccine this week. Here's why it's a big deal. Now, from that article, it talks about the necessity of testing in South Africa, as South Africa, because they claim it has the highest degree of the virus throughout the whole continent. They make the assertion that they need to test at least a minimum of 80 to 70% of the population in order to maybe to slow it down, stop it, or keep it from spreading so rapidly. But from this article, it raised many, many points of concerns. One of the concerns it raised for me is I don't believe the I truly telling the real truth about the virus. And two, the forces who are doing these tests, the forces who are making the... Um, Um, Making the medicines, the testing. They're talking about doing over 100 different types of um, experiments. These are the same forces that were either former colonizers or forces who don't have your interests at heart. My question from this article to the panelists what do you make of the possibility of allowing these forces to come into your country and doing this mass testing without really knowing the real reality? What composed of this test What composed of the virus And trust in the same folks who have done harm to you before Panelists, yo, you, you speak want you to speak to this article And many alarming things to erase in this article Slide with you, Brother Anthony
5: Yes Well, uh, I concur with your, your points, Brother Africa uh, There are several issues of concern uh, one is the fact that the funding for this uh, testing is being underwritten by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which raises a flag in my mind in terms of um, uh, what their, uh, you know, what the what the real purpose of this vaccine uh, uh, t- uh, testing is. And why all the emphasis on vaccination, as opposed to uh, getting at the cause of the uh, of uh, COVID nineteen, and uh, engaging in uh, prevention and health education, and rely and uh, this old, this ve- very heavy dependence on uh, on a vaccine seems to be uh, uh, worldwide. But it seems to be targeting Africans in particular, and uh bill Gates is uh you know is a eugenicist and um, you know and for the and for, the, uh, for uh for it seems like for the last twenty years he's been advocating uh uh you know means of depopulating africa so that raised a suspicion in my mind and about what the true intentions are and how much do the people that are engaged in these tests know about what uh, what they're getting into. Brother Moody,
3: yeah. well, you want know. Go ahead, Brother Hackey. Hackey, go ahead.
4: Yeah, you know one of the things I have to keep in mind when I read this article, I thought about uh, pre- uh, President uh, John Makafula out of uh, Tanzania. Of course, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Doctor, I mean pre- uh, President McAfula, he uh, sent uh, some samples, some covert samples, um, and uh, he utilized uh, a, a, a animal and a plant, and he sent it back to the Western laboratories that had it have it uh, analyzed to find out uh, if, in fact. Uh, uh, These samples were infected with COVID-19. Ironically, they both came back positive for COVID-19. You're talking about a plant and an animal. So clearly, uh, uh, President Magafula realized that something fundamentally wrong, something's not right here in terms of, you know, uh, what's going on with respect to this testing around COVID-19. And so he took the position that we've got to be very, very cautious and we've got to try other alternatives as opposed to around the West in terms of a cure, you know, for the, for this for the, for the virus. So, when I think about that, I think about this in terms of this test that's being, being conducted by Oxford Jenny, the Oxford Jenny, Jenner uh, Institute. Uh, one of the things, first and foremost, Brother Africa, they, they talk about the fact that they're not um, sure what the dosage should be in terms of the treatment for the virus as a prophylactic. Secondly, they talk about the fact that uh, they have no clue as to the impact it's going to have on the participants. Who actually takes the virus. I find that very, very ironic that you have these these particular questions. You, you know that you that these questions at the very minimum at least should have been uh, utilized in terms of all animals. Uh, well, I I not that I approve of you know using animals for testing, but certainly if you're going to test a vaccine, then it seems to me that um, if, you know utilizing you know, animals for for the purposes of establishing, you know the parameters of how that medication should be used. Or, uh, seems to me to be appropriate for well, anyway, but you know, in, in addition to that, brother. After one of the things they talk about the fact that they talk about, they had in a, in the head that now this this, this this study is divided into three, three, uh, three phases. And the second phase supposedly had over 4,000 participants participating in and, uh, in in this, uh, this this vaccine. My problem is that you had 4,000 people who who were part of this uh, part of this sample. And you mean to tell me at this point, the 4,000 people who have been, in, who've been uh, inoculated with this particular vaccine, you have no clue what the correct dosage will be or you have no clue in terms of what the impact will be on human bodies, but yet you're willing to give that to people in South Africa? I, I, I You know, I, I don't understand what Ramaphosa is thinking. You know, uh, perhaps, perhaps his position is that because he's got a, a lot of, uh, 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 you know, people of color, you know, on, on the medical staff, that you can simply trust Oxford's Jenny Institute, you know, uh, but simply because to a large extent they'll be uh, overlooking uh you know, this 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 uh this trial. Uh, and because they're overlooking the trial that they're in a position to strategically uh, prevent, you know, any misuse in terms of this this vaccine that Oxford's Jenny Institute might attempt. But all, but the bottom line about Africa it seems to me that it's it's very suspect. And uh, the thing is that, you know, I would wait uh, until Phase three and see what the results were. I mean at least you have you should have a better sense in terms of precisely the dosage and, and the impact it has on human beings right now you're going in blind and given the history of um the kind of malevolence, the kind of um, uh, the kind of uh, uh, antagonism you know toward African people uh, particularly come to testing i'd be res- I'd be very hesitant to actually create a situ- i mean be be part of any type of, of study particularly when it comes to being injected with viruses, uh that uh, that is uh sustained and substantiated, you know, by Western powers. I, I would be very very uh, resident um uh, reluctant to, to, to participate in such a study. But I don't know what Ramaphosa is thinking, but that's what he's that's what he's advocating. But I oppose it on historical grounds.
3: Brother Moses, you have a response to that? I wait for Brother Moses. Uh, I'll be curious in the hearing, um, call nine four three five. Any response you may have concerning this particular phenomena. how they deal. not only the testing inside of Zane South Africa, but I think there's a lot of parallel to the same thing inside the United States. We don't know what the the medical um the medical institutions inside the US is doing as it relates to these the virus, and these vaccines, it has a very close history, similar to the history of how African people have been misused in the medical field by the West in Africa and around the world. 9435, your, your response to this phenomenon, Carla? Okay, how about Carla 5146?
2: Sir, I do, I, I do believe... We want to be careful here. We have to be careful. As the panelists have already shared, although $150 million has been funded by the Bill and and, um, Melinda Gates Foundation, we still want to be careful here because they're saying that more than 100 vaccines are currently under development around the world. So if you have more than 100 vaccines currently under development, at least five of them are undergoing human trials. I mean, that's like saying that who's going to be the guinea pig? Who's the whole we going to test this on? So as the panelists have, been said, have said already, we need to be careful as to what is the dosage. What kind of dosage is being recommended? And are these people trained well enough to look at body weight and look at medical history to know what they are doing? Reference the unqualified EMT personnel that murdered Elijah McLean in Colorado. This young man was given ketamine on the spot. He was given this drug That is very strong And that's really and truly Took him into cardiac arrest Brain dead So they murdered this young man They gave him too much They gave him the amount of dosage That was equivalent to a 200 pound man And this young man weighed Less than 140 pounds So I mean who's going to be the guinea pig here Yes it does warrant concern, and it does warrant us taking a close look at what is going on in Africa, in view of the fact that they have their first case in March. Or I think that at this point, we need to take a closer look at what they're doing. Thank you.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, let's make a next transition as we talk about battles to be fought. There was an interest article in what's going on now dealing with this whole question of so-called consciousness, people coming down consciousness now in terms of recognizing that slavery didn't exist. People, people were affected. Many people did benefit from it. There's an interest article called Bank of England Apologize for a Link to Slavery. And talk about all the former representatives and owners and people who had top positions under the Bank of England, and they are now trying to set the course correctly. Panelists, when you read the article, is this response a supplement response for y'all, and what does it really mean in terms of knowledge, and yes, you did participate, and you did enhance yourself in richness, but at the same time you're never gonna make a donation to certain cause or certain organizations. What is your response on this article, brother brother Anthony?
5: Um, it's like um you know, uh, uh, uh putting a band aid on a very severe wound. It really does nothing, uh that, that they're not talking about returning the wealth that was stolen from Africa as a result. Of this exploitation, they admitted that, that they benefited that, 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 that from it, which really isn't new, uh, uh, new, new news per se. But they, uh, but, but uh, you know, but they, they're apologizing for their role in it, and I think uh, what it reflects is the fact that um that uh let's see the fight against racism has intensified uh you know worldwide you know uh you know since um the uh the uh the protest broke out over George Floyd's murder. But it uh but 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 the damage is done in a sense uh, and um, you know and uh y you, you, uh, you know you, you know uh you know my response is what, what uh you know why did it take so long but not only that but it shows that there's international pr- pressure being put on uh the the uh the capitalist bourgeoisie uh you know to uh to uh you know try to Undo the damage that's been done, but it's not sufficient it's going to take uh really uh the the the, uh, the 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 liberation unification of africa to really uh remedy the problems that African people are suffering from now
4: yeah it, it was it was it was quite interesting that they they acknowledge the historical wrong and that's fine but the question is what are you going to do now that you acknowledge the historical wrong uh simply giving a, a few organizations a few dollars uh doesn't doesn't uh, quite uh, cut the mustard as far as i'm concerned i think one of the things and brother Anthony alluded to i think certainly the kind of wealth that was stolen from africa the question is the, the question should be how can we make it right by returning the wealth from which we stole from africa uh, certainly, uh, the mere fact that they were willing to compensate uh, slaveholders, you know, for their quote-unquote property, uh, uh, seems to me that if you can if you can uh, if you can refund them in terms of the loss of their property, then certainly you can uh, uh, refund the, uh, the the continent for the abuses that you inflicted upon them in terms of, uh, of uh, centuries of abuse. So it seems to me, you know, that this is all in good, but I think that you're absolutely correct, Brother Africa. I think to a large extent it's just part of the strategic ploy. It's all about uh, appeasing, you know, the anger. Many people think that you really care about the historical injustices or the current injustices that affected African people. But the reality is that, the, you know, the systematic abuse of African people, the systematic exploitation of African people hasn't changed when I, I older. It changed in terms of form, but the reality is it's still here. And so, therefore, I wanted to hear, you know, what are you going to do in terms of changing the system per se to ensure the, 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 the systematic wrongs, systematic injustice on African people will come to an end? Well, we didn't hear anything about it, that kind of discussion because they have no intentions in terms of, you know, ending the systematic exploitation of, of, of African people. And so as such, uh, it seems to me that Brother Anthony is absolutely correct. You know, that's incumbent upon African people, the African leaders, in terms of creating a new paradigm in terms of making sure that the of African people comes to an end. Because if we think for one second that the Bank of England uh, does uh, puts uh, what's right about profits, then we need to think again. So clearly the Bank of England is motivated by profits, and so saying this is simply to appease people and has nothing to do in terms of actually addressing historical and present wrongs committed against African people.
3: Moses, you
6: have a take on that? What's your take on that? On the bank's apology and their response. Yeah, hello. I heads on mute. Yeah. Sorry. Um yeah, this you know apologies, I mean it's part of the reconciliation I suppose of some sort, of, um it, it definitely politicizes the event and Educates people and hopefully you know we learn from the past and, uh, and 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 do better in the future. But but you know then there's the issue of reparations itself, and uh, I think that's the governmental and corporate uh, accountability has to be held. I'll, I'll leave it me. right there. Thank you.
3: You know, Brother Hackney, you made an interesting observation. I would think it's similar to the same thing. And I'm wondering if this was not a unique phenomenon just with the Bank of England when they made or um, recognized the historical um, response to any slavery in which they had to be compensated by the loss that they would lose by any slavery. So, therefore, that's why the so called... Voted for the legislation for the end to it. I wonder if there was a position that many of the so called folks who later on came enlightened and decided to end slavery because they got compensated for it. I thought that was really really fascinating and interesting. But let's go there. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brother
4: Go ahead. Yeah, the thing is that the, the, the moral position is that, you know, why should we compensate you for owning other human beings? That is the moral question. Right. As a mere fact, that they felt justified in terms of warring people who held other human beings as slaves, uh, speaks volumes in terms of a value system which saw African people as something less than human. And so, therefore, the problem is that, you know, if that was historical, that's one thing. But when we look at it in the context of today, in this, this notion in terms of how African people are treated, it still presupposes that African people are less than human. And so, therefore, the reality is that the Bank of England has no intentions on changing that mindset, changing those systems that's fundamentally de- dehumanized African people. So we should be very, very clear, you know, the duplicity uh, in ter- or duplicity in terms of the Bank of England in terms of the role play, in play uh, in terms of slavery, and not to be deceived into believing that in fact that they, they feel bad about this simply because they give you some, some phony uh, uh, apology in terms of... Uh, you know, feeling bad about this historical wrong when reality is that these same wrongs uh
5: con- continue today. Yeah. It wasn't a wrong
3: I it was th- a crime
5: against humanity. Quick Brother Anthony. I would add that uh that that, that the Bank of England is n- not alone in doing this. Uh France, as I recalled, uh required not only France but also uh Britain and the US Required that Haiti pay reparations to the former French slave owners that uh, that lost their slaves as a result of the uh, Haitian Revolution, and uh, this is going back to the uh, to the early 1800s when this took place, and uh, and the thing about it though Haiti was isolated internationally because uh uh the imperialists had control of all the trade routes and whatnot so Haiti was was forced to pay France reparations and uh it took nearly a century uh, for for it to get out of that debt and uh so and also uh, remo- uh rem- removing uh uh you know statues of its more hated uh, directors and members isn't going to alleviate that problem. That is an old, uh, you know, uh, capitalist trick. Uh, you know, similar to granting uh, sham independence. You, uh, you, you know, you allow you know uh, countries that have it to have their own flags and remove some of the more hated political officials, but the essence of the exploitation stays intact. And uh, that's what I, uh, and that's what's happening here. They uh, they're talking about removing, you know, the uh, mon- the, the monuments to some of these uh, banking officials, but they're not talking about changing the structure uh, and uh, eliminating the exploitation. And it would take the achievement of Pan Africanism to bring that about.
3: And to add to your point, brother Anthony, friends also use similar tactics and justification around this question of slavery because they have a concept called slavery tax where they force all of their former uh, colonies, even up to date, to see it has, had to pay so much money for the resources and energies that France claimed to have put in around this whole question of colonizing them. This is one reason why I don't know how they was able to maneuver um, the, the realities of having each country's farm reserves to be put in a deposit bank inside of France. And France, France controls most of the West African country reserves. Mm. So anyway, panelists, um, job well done tonight. What we're going to do right now, take a quick break, and when we come back, we'd like to hear your final thoughts. You will listen to Africa on the Moon.
9: Palestine Palestine needs our love, needs our our love. Palestine, Palestine 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 needs her freedom. freedom. Palestine, Palestine Palestine needs our love.
3: We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the moon. You will listen to not yet Yuhuru and Palestine. Right now we're gonna ask all of our participants today to make their final statement for today's program. And we see a call with us five one four six. We actually make your final statement for today's program. I do appreciate the
2: fact that you are able to address the issue about the England because I think that it's the uncomfortable truth about their past and they know the truth and it's blood money but they have no intention of doing the right thing they're not going to do the right thing because it's hard for them to move forward with on what the panelists have already shared about reparation is needed. It's overdue. And they have given this money to their ancestors and they have passed it on to individuals who can profit from what has been done wrong. So I think that it's time that we bring this to the light. The loans the government. Um, Uh, used to cover the compensation that loan was not repaid until 2015 so yes they need to do the right thing and chances are they're not going to part with the money it's just a subliminal technique for glamour when they say oh we apologize okay we accept the apology then what then what African people are still struggling while they have gotten rich on the back of our tears and toil. Thank you, brother.
3: Thank you, sisters, for your contributions to today's program. Uh, we have another supporter listening. We're going to chime in and see if this call would like to make a final statement on today's program. We go to call on 9435. Any final remarks you'd like to make on today's program? Call nine
1: four
3: three five. Okay, I guess not. So let's go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, your final thoughts for tonight?
6: Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa. It's been, it's been real, as they say. Uh, um, I'm glad we had callers... Uh, who enthusiastically chimed in and uh, brought light where there was darkness, and, uh, and we're all better off for it. And um, so I, I think, you know, um, the Albanian party um, used to say, uh, socialism is built by the masses, the party makes them conscious. And so um, uh, that's an uh, interesting uh, uh, concept. I I hope that we can we can uh, uh, unite to win further victories. Thank you, and good night.
3: Thank you, Brother Moses, for your contribution to today's program. Your next go to Brother Hackey. Brother Hackey, your final thoughts for tonight.
4: You know, Brother Africa, when we talk about how precarious the situation is for African people, I, 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 I want to underscore again and again that is very, very serious. So we're talking about a system which is diametrically opposed to the interests or the survival of African people. And we got to think long and hard in terms of what's going on. You know, earlier I talked about the role of taxes in terms of undermining the performance of the economy. This is something I think is important that people understand. Now, when we talk about the top 1% of the population, the most wealthy people in society, normally we think that they pay a tax rate of 39%, but in fact they're going to pay a tax rate of something like 26%. Now, we talk about the uh, – uh, that's the top 1%. Now, we talk about the top 10%, their tax rate, when we think about Europe European 37%, the actual tax rate is actually 21%. So clearly, uh, with the use of uh, accountants, uh, they're able to get around paying their fair share in taxes. And that does have a deleterious impact on the survival of the economy. And, and, and keep in mind, people have to understand, that essentially when what they're doing is they're bankrupting the economy, and as this economy collapsed, then people have to understand, particularly African people, you have to understand somebody must be felt, someone must be felt responsible for that decline. And I think that given the history of this country, then I think we should be very, very clear that the scapegoats for this decline is going to be African people. Also, under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, uh, the current tax rate for corporations is currently 35%. Well, and uh, by 2020, in 2020, that's down to 21%. So even though a corporation only paying 20% of their taxes, uh, uh, the 21% of the money toward taxes, the bottom line is that when you incorporate the uh, offshore accounts, the, the hidden accounts, uh, the write-offs, the depreciation, the inventory, and when you when you factor all that in, the 21% uh, uh, tax rate is is not is not honest. In fact, it's considerably lower. Which means that it further contributes to the uh, the decline or the, or the the unwinding of the of the economy, and we have to understand the implicit threat that means for African people in the society, and if we don't understand that, you know, then you know, uh, you know, we're we in real trouble. And we again we're talking about a system, and finally, brother Africa, it's important that we understand also that you know, uh, you know, when we talk about um, uh, taxes, uh, the amount of taxes, you know, per uh, you know per GD, excuse me, GDP. We talk about the total amount of taxes in society spent. In the United States, uh, the total amount of taxes toward GDP is only 24%. Well, in most Western nations, it's 34%. So clearly, most Western nations are willing to pay their fair share in terms of taxes. But in America, they're not willing to pay their share of taxes. In fact, they're willing to deceive people in terms of precisely what's going on. in particularly, and we continue to advocate the importance in terms of low and lower taxes, knowing that lower and lower taxes contributing to not only inequality in the system, but also it contributes to the decline of the system itself. So we got some problems in terms of systematic of what's going on and the kind of collusion and the kind of corruption that's taking place in, this, in society. And, and keep in mind that these, this collusion, this corruption is taking place on a systemic level, but it's taking, taking place behind the scenes. And so we're often not privy to the kind of collusion and the kind of corruption and impact it has on us, but we have to begin to understand that fundamental reality. And as always, Brother Africa, I encourage people to unravel the matrix because that's key in terms of understanding, you know, uh, what it is that we, the fact that we must wage in terms of, you know, our longevity in society. And having said that, Brother Africa, you have a good night, and I'll see you next week.
3: And you the same, Brother Hackey. We thank you for your contribution, as always, to today's program. Next, we go to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, your final thoughts for tonight.
5: My final thought for tonight is that I think one of the most important things uh, that to be drawn from the program tonight is that Africans worldwide are in a common struggle against neocolonialism, the dominant form of imperialism today, and that we must organize for pan-Africanism, one unified socialist Africa, to put an end to it. And uh, to learn more about uh, Pan-Africanism and the All-African People's Revolutionary Party G.C., please visit our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org. Thanks for having me. And
3: we thank you as well, Brother Anthony, for your contribution to today's program. In closing, we'd like to thank our special guests today, his contribution to today's program, Brother Emotet Ashante, who is the organizer for for the African for the African Black Star Organization in Jamaica, we'd like to thank all our participants who called in, and as always, our listening audience, audience and supporters. We'd like to remind you that you can hear this program every Sunday from seven. To nine PM Eastern time, US. We encourage you to not only to call in but please share the word with your network that Africa on the move is on and it's a vehicle where Africans can come and communicate with the rest of the world in terms of in terms of what is going on with African people and oppressed communities. So like always we want to give you information so that you can think and we want to provide organizations to you from time to time so you can act and think more clearly. We encourage you to join an organization that is striking for the liberation of your people as well as to help move humanity forward. Until next time, let's try to go forward. I will back with Neville, and we'll lead you with the song Winter in a Miracle by Gil Scott, followed by some lessons from Brother for me to read. We'll see you next week. Let's write the power that be
11: from the Indians welcome the pilgrims and to the buffalo who once a rule of plain like the vultures Circling beneath the dark clouds Looking for the rain Looking for the rain Just like the cities That
1: stagger on the coastline
11: In a nation That just can't stand much more
1: Like the forests
11: Buried beneath the highway, never had a chance to grow home. Never had a chance to grow
1: home.
11: And now it's winter, winter in America.
12: Pan-Africanism must come from the bottom up, from the mass of the people up. It is here, then, that we will come to see the real aspect of Pan-Africanism. We said that in the fifth Pan-African Congress, they called for mass organizations, and immediately mass organizations sprang up throughout the length and breadth of the African world. The Conventional People's Party, a mass party, sprang up in Ghana. The Democratic Party of Guinea, a mass party, sprang up in Guinea. Throughout the length and breadth of Africa, you had the TANU, the Tanzanian African National Union, which is now the CCM, my... Swahili is uh, not as good as yours. It's Chimpa, Chimparaza, Mazuri. That's very good. No, <laughs> my, my Swahili is bad. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly, exactly. And uh, that's their new party. But all over Africa, mass parties sprung up. If you look at the Caribbean, mass parties sprung up. And if you look at the United States, mass movements sprang up. So the call was heated for mass confrontation. Of course, the 5th Pan-African Congress made two definite and precise resolutions, which I want to uh, highlight. Of course, Pan-Africanism from the very beginning was anti-colonial. From the very beginning, it was anti-colonial. It was weak. So when they came, they didn't say to the Queen, we're going to put you out of the country. They said, you must treat the natives right, you must educate them, you must prepare them for self-government. These are things that are weak, but they were anti-colonial in essence. We must not look at the form and we get stronger, the more this anti-colonialism will express itself. Now anti-colonialism is nothing but anti-capitalism, because colonialism is nothing but an offshoot and aspect of capitalism. Therefore, if you're anti-colonial, you must be anti-capitalist, if you're logical in your thinking, of course, and your actions. Some people are not, but we are speaking of logical people here. <laughs> if you're anti-capitalist, then you must be socialist. Capitalism cannot unite Africa. Africa has to be united by socialism. Now, there's a lot of confusion here on this question of capitalism and socialism. Just recently, a young man said to me, but socialism died. I said, it did. He said, you yeah, did hear about it. I said, I missed the funeral. Yeah. <laughs> of course, he spoke about the betrayals that occurred in the East. You must not let capitalism confuse your thinking. This is a struggle which Pan-Africanism takes on. We struggle against imperialism in the illogical arena because many people think that capitalism just wants to exploit your labor. It wants to confuse your thinking and make you think just like them. And this is where the real fight occurs. So therefore, this struggle of confusing the thinking. I told the man, I said, you're talking nonsense. Socialism cannot uh, uh, disappear. It cannot die. He said, yes, it can. I said, no. He said, how do you say that? I said, well, you are judging uh, socialism by socialists. You don't do that. He said, I've never heard such nonsense. If you don't judge socialism by socialists, what do you judge it by? I said, you judge it by its principles. Every system is judged by its principles, never its adherence. So he still saw confusion. He said, you're just talking double talk. I said, okay, do you judge Christianity by Christians? <laughs> So we must not be confused here. Socialism doesn't fall because of betrayal. No system does. The person who betrays themselves goes to the mud, but the system with its eternal principles keep marching on. If a system fell because of betrayal, Christianity would have been finished with Judas. At least Judas had the dignity to hang himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some of the who betray socialism don't have that dignity. Gorbachev still runs around speaking and picking up thirty pieces of silver everywhere. Yeah. So uh, socialism is an economic system. And there can only be two in the world, capitalism or socialism, because every economic system must answer one fundamental question. Who will own and control the wealth of the country? Who will own and control the means of production? The question can only be answered two ways. Either a few will own or everyone will own. It's as simple as that. And under capitalism, we say, please, please summarize that we might have. No, I'm going. I thought I had 20 minutes. It's my t- I thought I had 20 minutes. I was going by the clock. How much time do I have left? I'm sorry. Maybe I'm off. That's what I thought I did. I was watching it. Now I'm watching my clock. I'm responsible. I'm rev- revolutionary. Yeah. I go back. my clock.
1: Thank you.
12: In fact, I can say it in two words: Black Power. <laughs> <Right>.
1: <laughs> and
12: today we've gone to one Pan Africanism. <laughs> yeah. So there are only two economic systems, and it's going to be capitalism or socialism. Capitalism is a backward system. There's no need to discuss it. Certainly anyone who's been made a slave by capitalism ought to be hesitant in trying to support the system. But as a conscious African, I must be against capitalism, and I must, of course, seek to destroy it. So when you speak of Pan-Africanism, you must understand you speak of socialism. And we want to underline there's only one socialism out here, and that's scientific socialism, whose principles are abiding and universal, There's no such thing as African socialism, Chinese socialism, Russian socialism, Arab socialism. There's only one socialism. The confusion arises over ideology. That is that which guides you towards your objective. So we're saying clearly here, Pan-Africanism is not an ideology. It is an objective. It is an achievable. Pan-Africanism is the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. All we want is a unified continent with a socialist system. That's all. But you know Africa is the richest continent in the world. When she's properly organized, she'll be the most powerful. Yeah, Of course, of course, and me, all I want is power. (laughs) I'm not like others, I don't want money, I don't want popularity, I just want the power I'm supposed to get, that's all. It will be solved. There's a difference between revolution and reform, big difference. In reform, a man observing a foundation, observing a system, sees many problems. But he assumes that there's nothing wrong with the system. The foundation of the system for him is a good system. Thus, what he seeks to do is to change the building as best he can, but he wants to leave the foundation intact. Example, if I came to this building, it's Ackerman Hall, is it not? If I came to Ackerman Hall and I looked at the foundation, the foundation was falling. It was just falling, couldn't possibly stand. If I were a reformist, I'd say, okay, put a piece of board over that. So we cover the foundation, we haven't touched it, and then I'll come here and say, put a window there, put a door here, put a frame here, put two rooms where there used to be one. What I'm doing is reforming the system. I am trying to make it look different, but I'm keeping the same rotten foundation. You must understand that because this country is full of reformists, black people notwithstanding. And these reformists have a tendency to deceive you to let you believe that things are really being changed when in fact the foundation has not been touched and the longer it stays, the more rotten it becomes. The more rotten it becomes. A revolutionary comes into the building, observes Ackerman Hall and says, looks at the foundation and said, Hey, this foundation is filthy, it's rotten, it's corrupt. It must be torn up. A new one must be put in its place. Once he makes that decision, and once that theoretical decision which he's made is demonstrated actively in his day-to-day life, you have a revolutionary. Thus, a revolutionary is not someone who seeks to reform a system. He's someone who seeks to replace it. I'm a revolutionary. I'm not a reformist. I want the American system destroyed. It must be destroyed and has to be replaced. has to be replaced. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Again, I'm not calling for revolution. I see it coming, and I want to be part of the solution. I don't want to be part of the problem. I've been the victim too long, so I want to be part of the solution. I am saying that all of us must opt for revolution. All of us must opt for revolution. Now, revolution is very scientific. There's nothing emotional about it. There's nothing emotional about it. President Sekou Touré, a wise and courageous African revolutionary, says that in revolution there is no sentimentality. There is none. Whether I like something or do not like something, it is scientifically determined for me, thus I must do it. So I have no sentiments involved in my work. I just have to do what I have to do, and I will do it the best way I can. Best way I can. Now, revolution, we said, follows scientific laws. If you come and you look at the foundation, and you see the foundation is rotten, and you say that you want to replace this foundation, you want a new system, you're asking for revolution. Because what you're saying is that you want another system where there is a system. And we know scientifically that no two things can occupy the same place at the same time. I mean, that's logic. So if you say that uh, you're against capitalism and you want another system put in the place of capitalism, then all you're saying is that you want revolution because capitalism and this other thing cannot occupy America at the same time. Only one, only one will occupy it. Only one will be dominant. Thus, if you say you want revolution, you understand you're talking about scientific principles. Two systems cannot occupy the same space at the same time. I'm opposed to capitalism. I seek, I seek an economic system which must follow the principles of scientific socialism. This system must come, will come, all over the world. America. With our struggle since the 60s, you will see nothing but betrayals by the petty bourgeois elements in our society. The African bourgeoisie
1: is the most corrupt bourgeoisie
12: in the world. In Africa, they seek luxury in the midst of mass suffering. There are more Mercedes in Africa than in any other continent in the world. In America, as soon as they arrive at a position based on the blood of the people, they snatch that position and run away from the people. But you must not think that they represent the people. They only represent their opportunistic self using the people every step of the way. So you must not be confused. It must be clear then, for the sixties, the class struggle in the African revolution must be more ruthless and uncompromising than in any other revolution. Here yeah, then the masses must come without pity and without mercy to trample upon these reactionary pigs who after the people have gained struggle through their blood come to hand back the gains on a silver platter to the very enemy the people fought. This will come as a natural consequence. The people themselves are everywhere screaming that it's time for them to deal with these reactionary pigs. Even in America they say, our leaders must be held accountable. They're only saying here that these people must be accountable to those who made it possible for them to get there. Thus, not only is the revolution inevitable, but it is clarifying itself and it is qualifying itself. For the African masses everywhere, the clairpoise position now for class struggle has become inevitable and irreversible. The petty bourgeoisie everywhere will be running for cover, but the masses will spare them not. Consequently, we, who have dedicated our lives to the people's struggle, we, we're knowing that the people will always be free. We, understanding that we must make a contribution to qualify our struggle since the 60s, have been, ded- have been dedicating all our energies to only one task, the organization of the masses of our people. The organization of the masses of our people. We are not running for mayor. We're not running for president. No changes can come from the top down. We're not stupid. Changes can only come from the bottom up. The masses and the masses alone can make them. If you want to learn something from the 60s, the lesson is simple. Organize the masses of the people.
1: Thank
9: you.
0: Dicen que son habladurías, pero que primero a fondo la ciencia mía, para que después hablen como comadre chismosa. Yo te escribo en verso y en prosa. No soy Alice en el país de las maravillas. Y estamos claros, te portas mal te villa, que hacen papillas, es que eso es obvio. O eres ángel o eres demonio, ni ni no. O eres ángel o eres demonio. Que vive a toda la gente con las manos arriba. ¿Dónde están los latinos con las manos arriba? Que vive el hip hop con las manos arriba con las manos arriba que viva la cultura con la... ¡Habla! (muchas)
1: Tu <muchas> gane i a We are
13: Yeah, I like it. Think. You know how we think. Organize the hood under i chain banners. Red, black, and green instead of game bandanas. FBI spying on us through the radio antennas. And I'm hitting cameras in the street, like watching society. With no respect for the people's right to privacy. I take a slug for the cause like Huey P. While all you fake niggas try to copy master P. I wanna be free to live, able to have what I need to live. Bring the power back to the street where the people live. We sick of working for crumbs and filling up the prisons, dying over money and relying on. Religion for help, we do for self like ants in a colony. Organize the welcome to a socialist economy, a way of life based off the common needs. And all my comrades is ready, we just spreading the seed. have a black male live a third of his life in a death cell. Cause the world is controlled by the white male, and the people don't ever get justice, and the women don't ever get respected, and the problems don't ever get solved, and the jobs don't ever pay enough. So the rent always be late. And you be late? in a no day. more bondage. No more political monsters. No more secret space launches. Government departments started it in the projects. Material objects, thousands up in the closets. Could have been invested in the future for my comrades. Battle contacts, primitive weapons out in combat. Many never come back. Pretty niggas be running with gas. Rather get shot in they back than fire back. We tired of that. Corporations hiring blacks, denying the fact, exploiting us all over the map. That's why I write the shit I write in my rap, It's documented, I mean it. Every day of the week I live it, breathing it, it's more than just fucking believing it, I'm holding in one, rolling up my sleeves and shit, it's C-Lo for push-ups now, many headed for one conclusion, Niggas ain't ready for revolution. The average black male, live a third of his life in a jail cell, cause the world is controlled by the white male, and the people don't never get justice, and the women don't never get respected, and the problems don't never get solved, and the jobs don't never pay enough, So the rent always be late. Can you relate? We living in a police state.
14: of Labor Singing Ensemble from North Carolina. We are the cultural arm of worker and civil rights organization, Black Workers for Justice. Um, We came in from Raleigh, North Carolina, from Jacksonville, North Carolina, from Durham, um, and we're here because we support and we are part of the labor movement, but also part of the environmental justice movement, too. We are with UE 150, the North Carolina Public Service Workers Union, local of the United Electrical, Radio, and Machine Workers of America. In our communities, we fight on the job, but we also see the need to fight in our communities. There is no distance between the two. If we want justice in our jobs, we have to fight for justice in our communities. A lot of our communities face um, environmental hazards. Uh, some of us come from communities that have superfund sites in the middle of them. Some of us are part of organizations, environmental organizations that fight against coal ash ponds, that fight that are currently fighting against the um, Atlantic Coast Pipeline, which will come through predominantly of colors communities of color. Black and Native American communities, um so we're fighting against that, we're fighting against hog farms, proliferation uh, in North Carolina and the dumping in our stream from being contaminated from hog farms. So we see the intersections between workers being poisoned on the job and workers being poisoned in our communities.
3: We want to close with a song.:
14: So we wrote a song. Fruit of labor wrote a song. Uh, about water contamination based upon struggles that were going on in North Carolina. So we're going to do a little bit of it right now. Okay. It's called Justice Flowing Down Like Water.
13: Oh.
14: Family drank from a deep blue well to the and moved underground. Now the only story left to tell is innocence lost and community action. Justice, Justice flowing down, down like water, clean water safe for all. all. Justice flowing down like water, clean water safe
1: for all. Justice flowing down like water, clean water safe
14: for all. Justice flowing down like water, clean water safe for all. Little girl don't read so well. There's a lot that she'll never see. Some serious it's the mercury and the vision, Mama. Power plants poisoning you and me. Justice flowing down like water. Clean
15: Another map
1: is a International map is International natural On our roof It's a night oh. yeah. It's a
15: There, yeah, Yeah, yeah. Well, well, now two one get you. Well, now two one get you. Father you, you still you punish me. Punish me, you do marry punish me, you punish me, do marry punish me, I read for for you, I see you, well, you, well, well, you. well, 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 I Punish me, I read I some you, well, you, well, well, you, you, well, well, you, we punish me oh, well. they punish me oh, well. the punish me oh, well. down the punish me. Oh, well. I read book you this oh, well. some you this oh, well. you Well, you well, way well, time ago, long long time ago, long time ago, long. Don't die my blood. They big Don't die in a shalanga. Don't die in a Don't die my a Shanty landi na Long time ago Ethiopia landi na sakara bet Long time ago land in a chocho Long time ago For Bemba landi na chimpanzee Long time ago For Tunga in na ijibunzi Long time ago Long, 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 long time ago Long time ago Africa mountain on the carry shit Long time ago they she thinks that big, big hole Long, 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 long time ago. Long, 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 long time ago. Long time ago. Before them comfort us we are the way I place. Every time ago. Before them comfort us the way I place. Long time ago, I grew up with man and him. They carry sheets. Long time ago, for them culture to carry sheets. Long time ago, during the time them come colonizer. Long time ago, them come teachers to carry sheets. Long time ago, long, 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 long time ago. Long.
1: Time-